Zero On Air episode number five. My name is Graham Brown. A special edition today. We're focusing on the Zero community event that takes a place regularly in Singapore. This episode is focused on startups. And I want to introduce you to some of the people of the startup ecosystem to get a flavor for who they are, what their journeys are all about, what their drivers are, why are they here. So we're going to talk to a whole range of different stakeholders in the startup ecosystem today. We're going to talk about the people and with the people from Zero, um, Kevin Fitzgerald, the regular voice on this podcast, as well as Trent, who joins us from Australia, give us his perspective on Zero as well, in really being in Zero at the early days. And he talks about working with Zero when it was housed in an office above a plumbing supply store. Such are the origin myths of these hyper-growth companies. We are going to talk to Sam Gibb, a, an angel investor, prolific angel investor in Singapore and early stage VC. Junshan or Jonah Lee, who has both exited businesses and invested in businesses. He's a seasoned pro, even at a young age here in Singapore. And one of a, a small group of people who are the entrepreneurs with successful exits and sort of going back into the ecosystem here in Singapore. We're also going to talk to the people who support these startups, so some of the accountancy partners who work with startups and help lick their numbers into shape at the early stages, as well as some startups as well. So people who are on that journey and starting out down that road, looking at building that business and starting that whole adventure what is it like really in the early stages for them and hearing about their challenges, what sort of frustrations they have and how we can help them, you know, build teams and give them the right support. And really that is what a community is about. It's about peer-to-peer -peer learning, learning through story, you know, hearing people's story. You know, and the great thing is, is what I love about this startup community, and it's great to have Zero support this as well, is that the people who are successful aren't necessarily, you know, like in other sectors, distancing themselves from the coalface or from the community by the fact that they have now privilege or they have some degree of experience. What I find is the most successful people are often those most willing to go back to the shop floor, so to speak, and help other startup founders because in their journeys, they see themselves starting out all those years ago. So to really share some of those stories today, um, really delighted that you're going to listen to this podcast and be a part of this journey with us and hear the stories of the startup community in Singapore. Hey, good morning. This is Graham Brown. We are at Distri in Singapore in the morning, rearing up to go for the Zero Community Startup Edition events brought to you by the team at Zero with a few friends as well. We'll introduce them in a minute. Kevin Fitzgerald, thank you for setting this up and making this happen. No, no problem at all. Well, good morning to you as well. Um, what do we hope to achieve today here? I, th I, th I think what we hope to achieve is, is sharing and, and being as informative slash inspiring as possible. Um, but I think from maybe the previous podcast, what you'll get from me is some of the facts, mm. you know, on, on how to help people in, in business and what the, the blind spots of finance that they should look out for. Great. Mm. And today is all about startups? Yes. Why startups? Um, well, startups are the, uh, the start of the lifeblood 
of SME um, economy here in Singapore and across um, the globe. And it's a real focus for us at the moment. I think that that's a, it's a key market for us to go out and help. And I, I really feel the startups are, they're the individuals that are gone out alone. And uh, they mightn't think that, but it, it is basically gone out and been your own boss. And, yeah. and we just want to, we just want to help them where we can. Yeah. yeah. The help part is really important, isn't it? Yeah. That you as a startup found often find that you are on your own. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of support. And you have to build teams around you of people who want to work with you and get you to the next level. We're going to talk about a, a couple of those people. We have here a genuine bona fide startup founder, right. Jonah. Jonah Lee, welcome. Uh, nice to meet you. You've Thank got you a really interesting me. background as well. You're not just a one-time startup founder. How many times have you started a business? Mm, a business, probably three or four. Yeah. Yeah, tech ones, about three. And then like a yeah, very traditional F&B business was the first one I started with. So yeah, yeah this would be the fourth. Probably in the, the the zero on air podcast, we talked about your genesis in the F and B business, <laughs> hustling, yeah. counting every cent. Right, that's a great sort of you know background for a startup entrepreneur, isn't it? So, right, yeah. But now we Move see us. here on the video, Movers. Right. What's all that about? Uh, Movers is a platform, is a multi sided platform for globally mobile professionals. Yeah, yeah I think like uh, Uberization of international relocation. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to bring the entire uh, logistical experience online Yeah, for globally mobile professionals and worldwide. How, how big are you now? How big are yeah, we? Yeah, uh, in terms of like headcount, probably like 20 full timers and yeah. like a, a 10 like part timers and interns. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a, yeah, our employee size. We're about a year and a half. And so yeah and you've raised funds yourself uh yeah um we've done like our seed round already uh, yeah. that was probably last april yeah and then uh yeah moving forward we probably need to continue our fundraising uh, efforts yeah yeah so that zero is very important you're very familiar <laughs> with fundraising as well you've been on both sides of the table uh yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, first started out my career as a vc uh in a, a cvc corporate venture capital arm yeah, so I, I think I, I empathize a lot with yeah. like uh, both sides of the conversation. Yeah, so that, that helps a little bit. Great. So bringing to the conversation now, Sam Gibb from Endeavor Ventures. Good morning to you. Morning. Good to have you here. I describe you, I mean, amongst the many things that I describe you as, one of them is the most, one of the most active angel investors in Singapore. Is that fair enough to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially from a, from a mentorship advisory perspective too. I mean, I spent a lot of time on the ground working with working with companies working with the startups and helping them getting the strategy right and also their fundraising and thinking about funding in different different venues of fundraising too yeah yeah what are sort of the common themes that come up in those conversations especially here i mean if we have startups here or wannabe startups as well people thinking about that journey what sort of questions do you think they're going to raise which one of the things I'm most interested about today is some of the alternative venues of fundraising that mm. some maybe maybe even some of the audience have used too because um, cause generally it's like the, the conversations are around, hey, I've got this, I want to raise this, and then we're going to raise this in six months, 18 months time. And it's really managing the expectations around that and um, whether or not they can can actually raise enough money to hit the metrics that will get them to the next level. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a common sense thing, but that's what a lot of the conversations I have around here. Yeah. Yeah. You mean there's alternatives to going to a VC? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. Are we going to talk about this today? This is your game, isn't it? You understand this very well, probably more than anybody else. There are alternatives out there. We, we speak, we bring up this word factoring from time to time, yeah. reinventing it, making it sort of, you know, putting it back into the 21st century. It's been around forever, right? 
but people don't realise it's actually a thing. Yeah, in, I, I think the first time I heard about invoice factoring was when I was in high school. Okay, you know, yeah. when I was doing like commerce and <laughs> business studies, and and back then I didn't have a clue what it was. You know, I didn't really understand it, and it was it was only when I got into working as an accountant and we worked with some SMEs that were really taking off and growing their business, but needed um, stronger cash flow and, and more work, just more working capital sometimes. Mm. That was a, an option with the banks and that was back in the early 2000s. But to actually get to a point of being able to um, enact that piece of work for, a, for an SME was really hard, like getting that information, pulling it together for the bank, getting the bank to trust that it was a real invoice, everything like that. There's, there's quite a lot of work in it. Mm. Um, but it's becoming more and more popular again, I feel. Um, the banks are really chasing it. They're out there trying to figure out how they can help people with their accounts payable, accounts receivable, and, and what... I guess, lines of finance they can give them. Do you think if we were to poll people today, the, you're going to get a lot of you know, recognition of factory? People say, yeah, I understand what it is. I mean, what sort of percentage would you... I'm oh, ambushing you now. I'd, I'd say it's, oh, I'd say it's one out of five. One in five. One in five. Know what it is. Yeah. Or actually no, understand it. Yeah. They might have heard of it. Yeah. But I think what, what we're seeing at the moment and what appears to be online is SME loans up to 100K. Right. That's the most common advertising from the banks that I'm seeing on social media. They're calling it collateral free. Um, and it's interesting to read the comments yeah. from, you know, to see what the feedback free. is. Yeah, collateral free, which is, which well, is interesting. Is, are there yeah. any other kinds of restrictions that they're putting around that too? The, the, the kinds of businesses, shareholding structure, or is, is it generally what they're putting out there for, for everyone? Because, no. I mean, it's something that's been missing in the ecosystem, especially up here for a long time, I think. No, so I don't know. Is the, is the answer to that? Like, I, I actually don't know what each of the criteria is. What I do know is that I think maybe 90% of businesses that apply for it don't get it. Yeah. 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 And I think that might be partly, and this is me guessing, I think a lot of it is down to lack of uh, clarity of information and timely information. Not lack of collateral. No. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. there are other avenues that we can explore today. Yeah. Have, have you been through this process as well? Have you raised outside of traditional VC? Me? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess like there, there are like many instruments you can use. Yeah, and venture capital is one form, and yeah. uh, venture capital demands a certain profile and a decent, uh, like a, a certain kind of like return profile on the end as well. Yeah, so it's not always the answer. Yeah, there are like so many. I think you can range, range from like a corporates can raise from uh, family offices angels if it like uh, you know if the stage is right you could like factor it you could mm. structure contracts that commercially can make sense but you know they neither are equity nor debentures mm. so they're like i don't know i think in the commercial world there are like a thousand and one things you can be yeah. creative with yeah but you have to kind of like open up the your mind and your possibilities to structuring some of these uh kind of like a uh, uh, more interesting products so we're having this conversation about fundraising mm. And we have brought in banks, we've brought in sort of very technical terms as well. And we're dealing with people's businesses and their lives as well. Yet, here we are standing, four people in a pair of jeans each, <laughs> no ties in sight. Is it appropriate? I mean, why is that the, the right vibe for this kind of conversation? Business is definitely changing. Yeah, I get that a bit. <laughs> but is it right to talk about, I mean, money, fundraising, VCs, banks, when it's quite casual in its appearance, you know, because some people may be thinking their their images is I'm raising money. It's like going to a bank manager. Mm. Well, that's their how they've been trained since year dot. 
how is this it's like it's like an interview a job interview right yeah um I, I think you're right like but i think with sam like it is changing and the, and i think the common denominator is people people need to be financed they need help in understanding what the instruments are available um and, and what that looks like in a, a physical sense is has changed i think how business is done has changed i think it has become more casual um and i think that's why we're not sitting stand here in three-piece suits right yeah. yeah, I yeah. think you you also have to have the the right credentials behind you though to be able to justify how you're presenting yourself because yeah if you if you're going to be a borderline case you're going to be turning up to this suit in a bank and a tie uh, sorry in a up to the bank in a suit and a tie you're not going to be rolling up in a t shirt it's that's not going to tip you over the line but then for for the guys who you know they've got the metrics to back up what they're asking for. Yeah, the, how they present themselves is going to matter a bit less. So, do you think? Yeah. Do you think bank managers are still influenced by how somebody 100%, looks? It's yeah. just heuristics. It's just the easiest yeah. way to make a decision. How, how does this person present themselves? Mm. I see it every day. Well, you, you've made what? How many fifteen angel investments here in Singapore? Of that, yeah. If you think about how they presented to you, out of those fifteen, how many were done in a very sort of formal application style way, and how many literally just pitched you? over a coffee or in a relaxed environment? It's hard to say, but what I would say is a, a lot of the, the higher quality deal flow that I get comes from different venues. So it isn't just from pitches or things that I get coming over the email. That's mm-hmm. that's less useful. Um, there's, there's definitely a way to go about fundraising and starting to deal with investors. And I think that's, that's something that's important, especially for the audience today to understand. And, putting that kind of cold pitch out, hey, I'm raising this, mm. are you interested, typically isn't going to get the right kind of response. If you were to say instead, hey, um, we're this kind of company, I see that you've invested in these kind of companies before, you've done some kind of homework, and I, we think that you could help with these things, and maybe starting off a conversation that way, that could then lead to investment. I think that's a, that's a lot more useful. Um, whereas if someone's like aggressively hounding me on LinkedIn, I just... I, I just get turned off. Yeah, it happens, it's, right? It's a bit too hard. But then also to your, to your point, I mean, this isn't, when you're dealing with angel investors and uh, in, in early stage VCs in general, it shouldn't be a, like a accept, reject. Yeah. It, it, typically, they should be able to add some value beyond just the funding. And I mean, if, if it's an, any early stage investor with their salt should be able to to take a meeting and to give some actionable points from feedback mm. um, for for any business and hopefully help with networks connections and, and possibly even some deals too so if if the the startups are looking at it from that perspective I think it would really help the conversation on both sides great so in terms of the key points we want to get out today and want to share with people what would those be and we've talked about some of them here already which are how to approach investors is one How, what the alternative avenues are for fundraising mm. is another one one we we haven't talked about here but we have in the podcast is about how to tell stories with your numbers yeah which is often not done mm. and you know that's often the biggest value that you add to your approach or fundraising anything else that we want to get out today if you consider the for some of these people in the audience maybe the first time they've sat and listened to these kind of conversations I think I I think making the money that you have so after fundraising or before yeah. how do you, how do you make your cash work for you yeah you know and I, I like we had a, a brief conversation before John about well, what are the facilities that are out there that the banks or funders can help with whether it's different credit cards or a different style of you know terms of payment right like you know seven days fourteen days extra can make a huge difference but then all of the cash back the rebates that are available especially in, in Singapore that I see. 
that don't actually exist in a lot of other countries. How are you making, you know, your, your cash generate income because you're not getting it in an interest account? Mm. Probably going to pay you right. one to two percent if you're lucky. You know, so what else is out there that you can be savvy with, with the money that's that you already have? Yeah. Who, who's educating people about that? Hmm. It doesn't exist. It's like no, I think even I like knowledge of credit cards, people don't really understand them, do they, on a personal level? Uh, I did. I think you've got to be curious about it as well. Like I think it is online. It's easy to to go onto any bank's um, website and do a credit card comparison. Mm. Um, and I think the banks here actually do quite a good job of having relationship managers. Probably the the ratio of relationship managers is higher um, to SMEs than I've seen in other countries. So. You know, if you can actually build a good relationship with that person, an individual, and explain your business and what you're looking for, they they should be able to help you. So I don't think it's hidden anywhere. Mm. You yeah, just got to pull at the thread a little bit, right? 100%. But then also, I think this is why a community is really important too, mm. and people should be out there talking to other people, understanding how each uh, other startups have been managing their finances. Because yeah, it isn't just about fundraising and everyone wants to raise VC capital because it's cool and it makes a good headline. But realistically, there's other ways to grow a business. Mm. And that, that, that's that's what's the most important is, is growing real businesses so yeah, as long as people band together then they, they should be able to pull that information yeah. Knowledge, yeah community learning and I yeah. think as well learning through example is the most powerful isn't it you see somebody doing something you absorb those yeah. ideas and behaviours Jonah there'll be people here today who are probably starting the journey that you started right. some years ago and maybe staring down the path or staring out the, the window seat thinking, yeah, I want to do that. If there's one thing that you want to share with them mm. today that, that you want them to know right. about that journey, and there's probably hundreds, I'm sure. Right. But just to set expectations, how would you like to talk about that today? What would you like to talk about in terms of your experiences? I think like especially pertaining to, to fundraising, um, a lot of startups underestimate the amount of time that's required for it. Yeah, like I, I, maybe in the past, maybe the past being like three years, four years ago, six months might cut it. I, I don't think six months is enough anymore. Yeah, I, I think you need to start doing some of your groundworks or your road shows maybe like eight to nine months before. Mm. Yeah, because like uh, it, it does seem that like the fundraising cycle is a lot longer. So if you're trying to, if you're early stage and you're trying to plan a runway, yeah, like uh, yeah, you, you should buffer a lot more. Yeah, you talk about this a lot, don't you? You use the analogy of playing pool. Is that right? Yeah, always looking, the, always looking for the next shot. Yeah, when yeah. I thought about that, that sort of made sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, this, this is this is this is another reason I have a lot of conversations with startups because they just think enough about okay, we'll get this money and we've got that money and then and then okay, I'm off. But they don't think about what they have to do to that money to then be able to raise the, the subsequent funding round if they so need that. Mm. And realistically, VCs want to fund businesses that don't need the money. You know, guys that are growing well and they could keep growing, but they want to accelerate that growth. Yeah. And so this goes back to the point that you made before, Kevin. It's like you, you, you have to think about how you're actually going to use that money productively. And so you need to be able to put some metrics around that and have up-to-date relevant information and uh, to allow you to make the decisions there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that, uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe that's something to, to talk more about is VCs aren't looking, you know, for people that need the money. They're looking for really healthy businesses with a good story to take them to the next level and it's not a, a stopgap. Um, <clears throat> it's not cash you know, flow. It's, right? not, it's yeah. not just plugging a hole, right? It's, it's generally what I see here too. Mm. I think it's also because of the maturity in the market, mm. but there, there are definitely fewer people who are willing to take a bet and, and bridge the dip, you know, bridge that gap with the entrepreneurs because that's the scary part. Mm. Yeah, lining up the white ball for the next shot. Yeah, yeah. I get that bit. And that's why you need a team of people that who've got your back really because I think as an entrepreneur, you're not thinking necessarily about 
12 months, 24 months, you're thinking about making payroll right yeah on the 30th right that's your sort of immediate demand only when you sort of get to another level when you've got people who can manage the day-to-day mm. can you start thinking about more corporate development stuff right right and i think a lot of the guys here depending on what sort of stage they're at especially within the early stage they're having to do everything mm. so that sort of lining up the white shot mm. you know the white ball for the next shot gets parked doesn't it because right. you're just thinking about the immediacy do i have enough cash to eat this month do i have enough cash to pay my staff and so on so i think helping people understand that they need people in their team advisors or you know working in a community like this who can say hang hang on 12 months you need to be thinking about that you should speak to these guys right right cool anything else you want to share from today i think this should be interesting conversation to get a, an idea of what kind of you know level these people are at and where they are on the journey anything you want to share from your insights and set some reality expectations here but probably uh nothing else to share but i'm curious to, to see if we could ask how many people have um secured a you know a funding loan yeah, from any it, source yeah. in the last 12 months yeah you know or six months like, like let's get a show of hands okay because i think that's where the, like this is really interesting so there's a lot of you know marketing out there there's a lot of content about lending but it's the it's the actual like if the money's not wired it doesn't really matter like so, I'd love to see who's actually getting getting some money. Yeah, yeah. there's a few horror mm. stories there as well. Mm. I've sat on the other side of the table listening to startups day in day out, and I'm surprised by what I've heard. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah Happy to that. share some of those stories yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So. I've seen startups who were strapped for funding, had an advisor say they'd help them out, basically had the ticket there, and then a couple of days before payroll needed to have the money come through and said, "Oh, I'm going to whack a." I'm going to work a was it ten fifteen percent kind of discount on that. I.e., the, the advisor was pocketing that for themselves. Wow, it's it's disgusting. Fifteen percent, like, yeah, wow. months, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we're here to help startups, and that's you know it, it comes without any kind of ticket. We're just yep. here to sort of share the the word and educate the market as well. So, I think the uh, the audience looked like they're they're gathering now so we're going to be on in a minute thank you very much gentlemen for sharing your insights hopefully we have a good conversation today and be good to catch your sort of like feedback afterwards as well maybe we can have a chat with some of the audience and hear their perspective as well brilliant stories yeah cool be on fired up (laughs) (laughs) thanks sam (laughs) kevin jonah thank you All right, so we're at the Zero Community event, and uh, we've been talking about startups, and we've been talking about raising funds with Jonah and the panel, and we've also been talking to some of the audience who are starting the journey. How exciting is that? So I'm glad that we're joined by, and this is the first time I've seen this in a startup form, a mom and daughter combo, combination Mm -hmm. of team, Lynette. And yes. Melanie, mm-hmm. that's right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming today. Oh, yes, so, what's the story? You are starting a business together. Yes, that's uh, right. Tell us a little bit about the business. Uh, it's that we we made our own immune supplement. Yeah. And um, we're keen on helping people uh, recover from their immune problems. Mm-hmm. So many people in the world have, you know, autoimmune diseases. And in fact, how it started is my daughter was sick herself from overwork. She's a lawyer, and she got adrenal fatigue. And was sick, working seven days a week, all the time. She was doing a global wow. work. And yeah. so we decided um, to make this uh, product that, that kept us healthy from infection. We decided to make our own product and start selling it. And 
did you have any kind of experience in this this sector? Do you come from? I come from a pharmaceutical industry. Okay. So you know um, it very well. I know it well, but the t- sort of work we're doing now is different from what I used to do. We used to do uh, selling directly to doctors. This this business we're selling direct to consumers. Yeah. And we want to do it through internet marketing. And Great. more natural product. Yeah. It's, and hum- well, what's it made out of? Oh, that's a really long story. Oh, yeah. But it's um, not, specially it's prepared whey yeah. and antioxidant blueberries, antioxidant-rich blueberries. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And when your mom said that you were sick, mm-hmm. like you weren't just bored sick or like oh, no, no. fed up. You were physically sick. Yeah. So I suffered um, years um, having flu and cough and cold and everything. And, yeah. and I had really severe um, allergic rhinitis. Um, so severe to the point that I used to go to the ear, nose and throat doctor all the time. And he even checked for nose cancer because my symptoms were so severe. So it, it you know, affected the quality of my life. And, you know, all the amount of pharmaceuticals and things that I was taking didn't cover the symptoms, but didn't yeah. really solve the problem. Yeah. And my mom found this ingredient, tried it on me don't have this problem anymore. I don't have allergies anymore. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, you sound like... Yeah, so... Sinuses are clear. Sinuses are clear. No sneezing. I don't carry loads of tissue in my bag anymore. Yeah. I don't sleep with five layers of pillowcases yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one of the things we talk about in the startup world is the, you know, some people say scratch your own itch or, you know, whether it's something you've personally faced mm-hmm. as an issue. These, these are great starting points for startup stories, right? Yeah. This is something that you want to solve, you want to fix, and you would do it even if it wasn't a startup. Mm-hmm. You would yes. do it because you face some personal challenge yeah, or pain. Mm-hmm. This is something right. you, emotionally you're invested in it. Yes, right? we're very interested in everybody's health and see whether we can help them. Yeah, improve. it's great. Yeah. There's a lot of people. So that's what we, where our aim is, our passion is to help them. Well, you have the passion, and I'll bring in Jonah here because passion's not enough, is it? And right. it, these make great stories, and I love the fact that it's a sort of a, a mother and daughter team as well because that's quite unique, and there's a real personal story behind it. The danger is, is that passion alone won't get them through right. and I think sometimes startup founders feel that just having a passion and a good story is enough because right. you, you hear it just like you know be passionate never give up etc etc what's yeah. the reality what sort of advice could you share here listening to the story I think like uh, the, the passion is definitely uh, important right it's kind of what gets you out of bed and gets, uh, gets you going as you know because when going gets tough you need to cling on to something right there must be a reason why you're doing what you're doing yeah but um I think the cruel reality of like the business world is that numbers do matter. Yeah. So what you want to do is like layer uh, that passion. I, I think uh, passion should be core. Yeah. But you want to layer it with like um, uh, different layers of of, of uh, commercial mm-hmm. uh, stuff, I guess. Right. Like mm-hmm. you need to understand your finances, the business model, um, who are the people you're selling to, and who are the people you're going to raise money from. Yeah. These things all need to come together. I think exactly like uh, Graham mentioned. Yeah. Because otherwise, like. Um, uh, you kind of get into like a, a negative loop whereby hey like you have the passion but the business doesn't seem yeah. to reinforce that passion yeah and then slowly it jades away yeah whereas what you want to create is like the reinforcing loop right whereby hey uh, this is my passion right look I'm helping more and more people every day mm. right uh, my investors are happy as well right uh, even though you know in the early stages the first one two years is going to be tough but we are all in it together and the numbers are showing yeah so that is a 
it's a better way to wake up every day. Yeah, so yeah, I would say the passion definitely is core, but you just mm-hmm. want to make sure you want to keep it real, right? Foundationally, it's still a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way you keep the stakeholders happy is that, um, yeah, uh, first and foremost, the business model must make sense. Mm-hmm. We were talking about building a team as part of this, and I think this is... This is the real challenge because it can be really lonely, even if you've both got each other. Mm. You know, you are going to face doubts and rejection is going to be your life for the next two or three years. You're Mm -hmm. going to get battered. Mm -hmm. And then when you think you're like pushed down, it gets worse. Mm -hmm. You think, why did I ever start this? And you go back to that passion and so on. But I mean, I found in 20 years of doing it, that's the reality. But like building a team around you has been for me like so important because you know you have people who maybe can lift you up when you're down and you can have people who can say hey like you know how about thinking it this way and challenge you a little bit as well how would we advise what worked for you in that situation in terms of building a team early on maybe like even before you started selling the product before you started raising funds right do you start team building with just an idea? Where, where do you look for this? Right. Uh, I think like uh, um, from my experience thus far, uh, every business I've been, I've always had partners. So starting with a partner, so maybe for Leonard and, and ML, mm-hmm. like uh, there are actually some difficult conversations you need to have with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, and it needs to be reflected in the shareholding structure, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to have one more vote than the other person because someone needs to have the final say. Mm-hmm. Is it the, the pharmacy, uh, the pharmacist side of it or is it the, the internet side mm-hmm. of it, right? That has the final say, yeah. Um, but uh, obviously with the full respect that everyone's uh, feedback will be taken into account. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some of the difficult conversations that I've had with my founders that uh, I think we are, uh, are paying dividends to us now would be the, hey, um, what if someone you know has like family troubles and needs to pull out on year three, mm-hmm. right? Is it going to be like a, you know, is he going to give the shares back to the founders or mm-hmm. give it back to the central pool in the company, right? What if by year two, someone runs out of passion? What happens then, right? Um, you know, year one, are we going to draw salaries or are we not going to draw salaries, mm-hmm. right? And then what are the milestones we're going to hit uh, if we're going to draw these salaries? So having kind of like front-loading all these difficult mm-hmm. conversations, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's extremely important, especially when you're starting out. Yeah, so I would say like a, um, amongst the co-founding group, mm-hmm. uh, amongst your partners, right, you need to have these conversations right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier to have it. It only gets more and more difficult as the business progresses and new mm-hmm. problems show up. Okay, um, the second layer of people, uh, and this has been a painful lesson for me, yeah, like uh, the easier way is to start with like fresh grads, right? Like, you know, hey, like uh, we are resource-trapped and maybe we can find some young people working for, uh, willing to work for less with like a fiery passion. Yeah, but I think um, my experience so far has been that uh, I, because of that mentality, I've always missed out on very good middle management. Mm. Yeah, so if I were to redo mm. some of the things uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I would find a very good middle manager first and foremost. Yeah. But how can you do that when you, you're not making money or mm. you know, cash is tight? That's right. the reason why people might choose to recruit and take more of a risk. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, we have a, so as we're recruiting, we have very real conversations with like, especially people who are going to join us. Right? We put it out there, it's going to be a very rough journey. Right? Uh, depending on the seniority of the person, we even tell them how much runway we have left. 
Mm. Right. So you have to how be how much comfortable. money you got in the bank effectively. How no, much exactly. Time, right? yeah. yeah. And you know we need to. We, it needs to work out by 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 this time. Otherwise, you know, it's uh, we, we're going to like um, uh, fight mode, right? We're gonna have to cut people and and float the company. Yeah. Uh, and then also like a painting a very realistic picture of like the day to day work, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, you're not gonna get very broad directions every day. We're gonna pivot. You know, <laughs> we we never figure this out until it's yeah. figured out and until it's exit. So, um, painting that like a lot of people are gonna say no to you, right? And I mean, like uh, layer that with like low pay, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, you, you're going to be surprised that there will be people who will take it up, and the reason they take it up is because they care about the journey mm-hmm. rather than the destination. Yeah. Uh, the way mm-hmm. we align that financially is by giving stock options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So employee stock options like ESOP. It's like a mm-hmm. financial instrument that you should use to your benefit. Yeah. yeah. So much so that if the company does well, the individual does well as yeah. well. Yeah. So out of ten, I don't know. It's you're talking about one or two people would sign up for this yeah, yeah but these are the one or two people that you want mm-hmm. yeah everyone else are just in there for the right and they're in there maybe maybe they should be working for corporates rather mm-hmm. than startups right yes. yeah and you know if they join you it's probably the wrong answer for both parties right. yeah mm-hmm. so um yeah i i would i would focus a lot on the middle yeah. management and have all these very mm-hmm. difficult conversations and yeah i guess like like filter and, and figure out uh, the person that's going to join you and why he's going to join you mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you. it's going to be a journey. Okay. Okay, your story, I think your story, the more you tell it, mm-hmm. the more you attract the right people mm-hmm. and you know, maybe send away the wrong people who are the time wasters because you're going to get a lot. Yeah. And you want to keep telling that story and being real about the reasons for doing this yeah. and what you've sacrificed to do this as well. And that will attract the mm-hmm. right people who, who may say, look, you know, I, I could myself, I could stay in pharmaceutical and, you know, make a really good salary or maybe as a lawyer, I could stay here. But look, I'll, I'll give this up as well because I believe yeah. in what you're doing. And those people, like, they're the minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you only find them by planting a flag and saying, hey, th- this is what we're doing. Go to these events and keep talking. Mm-hmm. Keep telling that story because I think right. that's the most powerful thing about what you guys are. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a tough journey from here on, but wishing you all the best. Get good support, come to these events, find good advice. So Graham here with Brian Zhao from Harvest Accounting, one of the accounting partners of Zero here at the Zero Community event. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Graham. So you are bona fide accountant. This is your trade. This is what you do day to day. Why do you come to events like this? What, what's the, I mean, obviously there's potential clients here, but beyond that, what's the purpose for you being here? Well, I think I'm here because I'm mainly here to learn more about the yeah. startup scene and how um, clients, um, how businesses should actually use um, their financials to kind of um, also be able to gain funding. Yeah. And also here to support uh, one of our my, our clients here, Moonus, Jonah. Yeah, Jonah, who shout was speaking at the event as well. Yeah, it's good. I mean, he, he gave you a shout out as well there. Yeah, so indeed. How do you find it with startups? You must find the conversations a little bit different. Obviously, they're talking about fundraising, but the characters are going to be slightly different. The mindset's different. The process is different. How have you sort of dealt with that? What sort of have you learned from working with startups as opposed to working with SMEs more or larger corporations? Yeah, I think a lot of startups at the start when they when they when they start they a lot of their processes are probably they th- thought that they can maintain their financials in Excel, 
And yeah. thereafter, when the business goes out of proportion or like it's, it's getting better, doing better than what they expected, then they kind of need to have processes and internal controls in place, which they think that probably investors are not really that concerned about. But I think the idea is to always educate these startups uh, and business, business owners themselves to kind of know that, yeah, accounting and uh, bookkeeping processes are actually important. Mm. Um, yeah, to get a wrap our head around the numbers and to really be able to forecast and make better business decisions. Yeah. yeah. And understanding a little bit about the kind of people who start these businesses as well. I think the conversation today on the panel was a lot focused on that there are processes for fundraising, but the problem is, is that to what you said, is that a lot of startup founders don't put those systems in place early on. Mm. And when they need them, often the business is growing at a pace where they don't have time to go back and try and put... They're now going back into the Excel spreadsheet. Yep. And wondering why this doesn't work. So, yep. if you were to share some advice for startup founders early on, mm -hmm. obviously setting up on zero is one thing. Yep. But what else can I do if I'm like many of these people that came today, a startup founder, mm. maybe in the first six months of my journey? Well, I think it's obviously as you are trying to get the business started and going. But I think it's also important for you to identify certain, perhaps, um, software. Um, that can help uh, in automating a lot of entries into your accounting system. Um, yeah, so um, primarily, like, there are a lot of data capture tools out there to document all your expenses. Yeah. So in a way, accounting and bookkeeping can be done real-time for um, such business owners. And with Zero and their bank feeds, um, yeah, you should be able to produce your management reports quite easily, as well as your investor reports. Um, yeah, pretty much in a few clicks, and uh, Zero in itself is integrated with a lot of cash flow forecasting apps that are probably important metrics um, for these startups to monitor. And uh, you're able to kind of have a dashboard of metrics to kind of uh, look at what is your, um, yeah, your, for SaaS businesses, like what is your customer lifetime value against your customer acquisition costs. Mm. And these kind of that data is pretty important yeah, to kind of know about the business. For, you should be able to recall these numbers offhand. Yeah. To in order for you to pitch and yeah, just be able to monitor it on a real-time basis. If I, if I was to sit with you, I'm sure I would learn something in an hour. We would go into our accounts and it might not be a great experience for you. You may realize that there's a lot of work to be done there. We're on zero, obviously. I, I've got a good handle of where we are and the bank feed matches what it says on zero. It's yep. all good. Yet maybe for a business like us, we're a year in, management reports might become more useful, mm -hmm. especially as we're fundraising. Exactly. For example, if there was one thing that we could take away from that meeting where we sat down together, where, where do you think that would be? I and mean, it's a bit of an ambush because you haven't seen the business or gone yep. into the numbers. Where, where do you think it's likely to be? Where, you know, so I'm trying to get to why would I need an accountant rather than just zero? Yeah, I think a lot of time the business, business owners themselves don't have the time to kind of, um, yeah, you'll probably be able to have someone invoicing and getting your sales in place and then someone to kind of like key in the expenses or if not use a data capture tool to kind of automate the posting of these expenses. But at the end of the day, you do need an accountant to kind of give advice. I think earlier on, Kevin Fitzgerald um, of Zero mentioned that account, the role of accountants now is different in mm. that we actually spend a lot of face time with the clients um, to kind of, educate them on their numbers to hate to look out, hey, your, your accounts receivable is really ballooning. I think it's time for you to 
um, kind of like turn on the invoice reminders inside Zero to to kind of accelerate the collections, um, as well as um, kind of to monitor and exert more pressure on your customers because you shouldn't be financing them in the first place. And yeah, perhaps to um, schedule your payments uh, at a try to negotiate for credit terms um, to kind of like be able to monitor your cash flow better. Mm. So these kind of, I would say like CFO advisory services, um, it's something that we as accountants are trying to do because now that the whole bookkeeping and an accounting process is kind of like a commoditized, commoditized already. Yeah. So we're trying to value add uh, and also be able to help them to match make um, uh, funding in terms of either from debt or equity. Mm. Yeah, that outsourced CFO yep. type role for an SME who maybe can't afford a CFO. Yep. I, I'm thinking it's great, but I'm sure I speak for a lot of small businesses is I can't afford it already off the bat. I'm thinking this is going to be expensive, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I mean, sometimes we bundle it along with accounting as bookkeeping services. Right. Like we provide... Perhaps, I guess like a bird's eye view um, of the business and ultimately the business owners themselves have they are in the business and we are um, so like they should be knowing what's best for them with the data that we provide so at the end of the day it's all about them have, having access to these numbers and financials to kind of be able to drive their business decisions Excellent yeah. Brian from Harvest Accounting thanks so much for sharing that with us Thank you Dan. So we're here at the Zero event. I'm very happy that we can actually grab the main man, Trent, all the way from... I, th I, think, I think you've oversold me there. Well, come on. You, I mean, you're here from all the way from Melbourne. Um, flying visit. How long are you in town? Uh, in town for three days this time, but it's always great to be here. I, lo I love the buzz in Singapore. Yeah, it's a good place, isn't it? Oh, it's great. You, you're a man... I mean, we were talking off air there about... You mentioned the word passion. Yeah. It's not, not, you don't hear of that a lot in the corporate world, but you said you were passionate about you know, this startup ecosystem, the people, the environment, that sort of hustle as well. What, what is it that sort of, what, what is the energy that you feed off there? Well, I think I've been very lucky and fortunate because I've been with Zero. Um, but when I started back in Zero in Australia, we were about 30 people or so. And we're now well over 600. So I've been through the amazing growth phase. It's, you know, the, the true scale up phase. Yeah. So I think, you know, that passion's driven the whole way through that. But I love coming to events like this where you see people talking about, you know, creating those next generation companies like Zero, and we need to create, be creating more of those mm. sort of companies. You know, and allowing people to actually see what's possible. You know, that's why. What's so I love. Um, I love the fact that we can put these events on. Yeah. What is it about that? When you see people talking about, you know, growing those kind of companies, you, you must sort of think back to what it was like when you started out. I'm curious what it was like when there was the 30 of you in Zero in the early days. Were you, were you in a basement office with a little skylight poking out at the world, or? I, I was kind of lucky. I think I, I joined just as we kind of got a real office. So <laughs> I did visit them though before they had the real office. And, you know, when I first visited them, they had about eight people working above a plumbing supply shop. Wow. And so that's actually what it was. And so everybody goes through the that. The myth, that. the origin Every, myth. Well, everyone goes through that at some stage. I remember when I first yeah. went there, so I was actually working, I was working for Microsoft at that stage. And, and I went and uh, chatted to Rod Drew, the founder, and, uh, and the the, uh, the then managing director and had a chat to him as well. I went, I'm not quite sure I'm cut out for this. Cause I think you had a you've got to be slightly mad to get into the uh, to, to be a startup but I'm glad there yeah. are people that do it so how was that decision for you you were, you were a corporate I guess yeah. weren't you you were an accountant by trade I'm an accountant by trade yeah and then to be in this world where people are a little bit different it was familiar accountancy related 
But I guess the way they dressed, the way they spoke, the fact they're above a plumbing supply shop, that wasn't an accountancy firm. That was different. No, def- it definitely wasn't. But I think it was. I saw the I saw the passion that Rod Drury had for what he was trying to do. Yeah. And I also I actually genuinely love accounting and technology. And when they're combined together, you can do amazing things. You can help people understand their business better. Yeah. And at the end of the day, so if they can understand their business better, they're far more got a far bigger chance of being successful. And so when I saw what he was trying to achieve, and and that was just kind of the cloud was really starting to take off then mobile penetration was starting to take off so it was kind of like the perfect storm of all these things coming together at once mm. and I could see where he wanted to take it and I just thought I've got, I've got to be part of that so you know these opportunities don't come around very often so when you see them you grab them you grab them do you, do you sense that when you come here do, I, do you have an eye for that now do you think I, I think I do and we are I can see the zero business here is just really starting to scale up and I think off the back of that, when it scales, it tends to take a lot of people on that journey with them. So you'll start to see, you know, next generation small accounting firms fire up because the barriers yeah. to entry change. So, you know, you basically need a laptop now or an iPad and you can go and work out of a coffee shop and run an accounting practice. But it's even startups more broadly than that as well. And so the, I've seen that whole ecosystem fire up in Australia and New Zealand and I see the same thing starting to happen here as well. And how do you, I guess this is the big challenge how do you retain that sort of scrappiness because it's like high, yeah. above the above the plumbing supply shop that's almost like in the dna isn't it it's like we came from this we were part of the ecosystem of growing businesses we've been through that and yet you know you're making money you can easily now get a very nice office sit in the corner office yeah. with the air conditioning never go out there never make the trips and so on how do you as, as an individual how do you force yourself to consistently stay Hungry. Yeah, yeah, I think people quite often say to me, how do, how do you manage to keep that startup culture? They talk about the culture a lot. And culture is really an, an output of purpose, values, and behaviors. So I think it's the behaviors you continue to exhibit off, off your values. So if you stay true to your values and you actually truly understand what your purpose is and you stay true to that as well, then that scales. Mm. So it's identifying the things that scale, you know, and, um, and I think that, that stuff scales well. So as long as you, if you keep those things true and you, you remain true to that, then you can maintain what made you special and grow at the same time. Great. Well, Trent, thanks for sharing that with us. Mate, it's a pleasure. And it's good to see you again. Great to see you I don't believe again. that it's going to be too long until you're back in Singapore. Oh, I hope so. Actually, you know, we love spending time up here and, you know, spending time up in Hong Kong as well now and uh, right across the whole of Asia. Great. Fantastic. Thanks, Glenn. You've been listening to Zero On Air with Kevin Fitzgerald, Trent In, Sam Gibb, Junshan, Jonah, Lee and me, Graham Brown, we were at the Zero Community event here in Singapore. Voices of the community who joined us on the day, also featured on the podcast, include Brian Zhao from Harvest Accounting. And finally, a mother and daughter combination, Lynette and Melanie. Find out more about how cloud accounting can help you achieve success at Zero.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>